Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. So I officially dove headfirst into Web 3 on May 4th, 2021. Now, that was literally only 14 months ago, but it really feels like it has been a lifetime since I've been in the space because so much has happened during that time. So many trends, so many things have changed, and the atmosphere in the NFT Web3 space is completely different than it was when I first entered. And I can say Web3 development is like nothing I've ever seen before. It is moving absolutely faster than everything that I've ever seen. So today we're going to discuss why Web3 development is like that and why I expect it to speed up exponentially. And we're really in uncharted territory as far as what kind of development we can expect going forward. And I know it's easy to just look at headlines and say, wow, this space really isn't going anywhere right now. But putting all that aside, not looking at prices or anything, we're just looking at straightly the building, what's going on, the technology itself, the things that are people rolling out is just absolutely amazing. And we are continuing to innovate in this space. And in that short period of time, I said it's been 14 months since I really dove into this space. I've seen all sorts of trend from pixelated arts, 10K generative products, the PFPs. Then we saw the derivatives with the mutants and all of those different things. Then we went through a period where every single project was sort of coming out their own tokenomics and said they were going to stake and there's going to be all sorts of earning with coins and everything of that nature. But understanding how to do tokenomics and doing all that stuff is a completely different ballgame. But then there was also the play to earn phase where a lot of people were trying to turn their profile picture projects into these games and somehow creating something. And as we quickly saw, game development is left for game developers, right? Just because you have a profile picture project and you have NFTs doesn't necessarily mean you can create the tokenomics or the game for a play to earn game. Then we went through the free mint space where everyone was just launching all these free mints, trying to stream up of icy tools. Then we went through the meme mint phase, you know, just making fun of everything in the culture and the space, of course, goblin towns and that sort of overlapped with the whole free mints and all that. Now we're starting to see some evolving NFTs where there's different features. Maybe their metadata is changing, but then also different things are happening, like say the size of the NFTs and different events that happen in the real world also ends up changing these. So we're seeing a lot of innovation come into the space, but I really like to think of how much change we see in a very small period of time. And it's really like nothing I've ever seen before. As I said, when we were coming up as far as really being introduced as the first generation really to grow up in this internet age or what have you, I like to consider myself an Oregon Trail millennial, meaning that I'm officially a millennial, but we're the older set of millennials that really know what it was like to come from the offline world and then go through the dial up and everything. So we literally went through all the changes that we have seen in the space. So web one, you know, it seemed like the whole world was changing at a rapid pace, but then web two sped up everything. But I can definitely say web three is exponential in factor. And what really it brings me back to is one of my favorite speeches of all time. Anytime I'm looking for inspiration or I just want to think about anything, I love to listen to the Kennedy moon speech. And I think I've even featured it before in one of the earlier episodes on this, but I'm going to actually play a clip from that to really understand where we are in the space and how how it relates to everything that we're doing right now. We meet in an hour of change and challenge, in a decade of hope and fear, in an age of both knowledge and ignorance. The greater our knowledge increases, the greater our ignorance unfolds. No man can fully grasp how far 
and how fast we have come. So no one can really grasp how far and how fast we have truly come. That is just the start of the speech and this particular clip itself. This is one of my favorite videos. At the end, I'm going to play the full thing and I'm going to leave a link to this so you can actually watch this video. In my opinion, one of the best speeches ever given in history as far as being recorded. And this video just adds a little sound to it and just makes a great speech, an amazing video. So I'll put the... YouTube link in the show notes. However, how far we have come and how fast we've done it is just absolutely amazing. And the reason being is why this space is just growing at an exponential pace. And I think anyone that will say, well, yeah, it was always like that with web one and web two, but no, it is completely different. The reason why I'm going to say that going forward, we're going to see growth like nothing we've ever seen before. And these hiccups that we're seeing right now, honestly, it is just a minor speed bump in the grand history of everything that we're doing right now. And the thing that I really want to feature or bring the attention towards is the fact that this is open source code. And I don't think people really truly understand and grasp the magnitude and how important that really is. So going back to the old web one days when we were literally coming online, trying to figure out all this stuff, we're writing codes in different languages and just hacking things together. And if you remember all the websites with flashing art and some were playing music and it was just a complete just mess. It was really the Wild West. We say this is the Wild West that we're in right now, but back then it was completely the Wild West. There were no standards. You had no idea if a website was going to load at a particular dimension or not. I mean, there was literally no standards and we're making this stuff as we go along. And it was a disaster just trying to browse around and go to different websites. But as things start to standardize, people start to really look at things like screen size, um, load time, uh, different code standards, HTML, and things like that. We started to see some sort of patterns that you could be copied and replicated. But generally speaking, all of that stuff was done by a developer in secrecy. You know, you're developing it offline and then bringing it online. And really, each project was not connected and they're just doing their own thing. But then in Web 2 world, that's when we started to see a lot of things such as that's when code such as Python and Ruby on Rails and uh, all these frameworks started to really pop up that allowed people to build these applications online in a very quick an easy and seamless manner. Even Twitter that we love so much as far as Web3, that was really knocked up pretty quickly. And anyone learning Python can literally learn how to make Twitter within a weekend or so. And you can build your own version of Twitter because all the frameworks and everything that is there, it is very simple. It is a simple tool to build. And once all of the, the tools and the coding and everything was put into place, Anyone can really just copy and paste all those repositories and just learn how to make their own Twitter without even being a full coder at this point. However, at the time was completely revolutionary and what have you. But generally speaking, throughout that whole Web2 era, especially with Facebook and Google and everything, you don't know what's going on under the hood because this is all proprietary software and algorithms that were really hidden. We have no idea why Google ranks a certain thing higher than another. They give us hints, they give us some ideas, but generally speaking, they can change that, how the computer works, all of that. They don't have to communicate that to us because it is proprietary, how their algorithm works, or how YouTube serves up the videos that we like the most, that we're most likely to click to. All the time, Congress is talking about, oh, Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and all of these things have these algorithms that are really manipulating and influencing people to take certain actions. And the reason is because they can make all the speculations in the world. It's because all that code, everything is hidden and it is specific just to Google. It is specific just to Facebook or Meta, whatever they want to call themselves or Twitter. 
TikTok, one of the most powerful algorithms. And there's not anyone that can just really just go and audit that code, see what's going on, see how it is, and replicate that and start their own platform. And that's the reason why these platforms are so powerful. However, in Web3, all the code, everything that they're building, everything is open source. So anyone can audit it. Anyone can copy it and build a better or a newer version of it. So that is why we're seeing the innovation. It is not like, you know, a lot of the times when uh, we hear the elder statesmen, uh, you know, around the elderly, if you will, they'll say like, ah, things are so different now and things are moving so fast. Well, it's not just a cliche or just casually speaking. It is literally true. Web3 is moving way faster than Web2 or Web1 because with these open source technologies, the code is there. It is on the blockchain. It is there for everyone to see. And within seconds, you can copy it and start to manipulate it and change it to build your own version of it. So people are now taking the best of this project, the best of that project, seeing, no, that failed over there. So we're going to avoid that. We're going to cut that out. And they're copying and pasting. Just like it was very easy to build Twitter and a lot of those applications because they had those frameworks from the coding. Of course, there's Ruby on Rails. As I said, there's Django with Python and multiple others. So there's the language and then there's frameworks, which is basically a big repository that they can copy and paste and build anything. Well, that is what's really happening. This huge repository of information is being built in Web3. Any successful project, nothing is hidden. It is all public and available for all to see on the blockchain. So really, what is driving one project from success to a failure, when you look at the code and everything, they're pretty much the same because anyone that was successful, anything that comes off after that is just going to copy that code and build on it. But what's happening is the founders, the team, the community, and all that stuff is what's really driving the difference in creating value and what have you. And I spoke about the difference between price and value recently, and this is really where the things start to come in. Because if the value is solely in the code and the team is not really valuing everything and honestly putting the human touch onto it and really doing things that cannot be replicated, copy and pasted and redone, well, then there is a huge opportunity being missed and the opportunity for another project to just pass them. So what's really keeping, let's say, the board apes and all these blue chip projects and uh, whether it be with the code, for example, of a particular token, say a Bitcoin or Ethereum or what might be, up there is not the actual tech itself. Because even speaking of Bitcoin, Bitcoin is the gold standard. We know that's what really kicked off the whole Web3 experience and everything that is going on. But did you know that Litecoin, LTC, is actually the same code as Bitcoin, but it is a lighter version, hence the name Litecoin. It is lighter, more nimble, and it is faster, more efficient, but it is the same code that was copied and brought down. So Bitcoin's value is not in its code because if it were the code, everyone that copied the code and redid it and put it up on the blockchain and created their own thing would also have the same success. Now, it is a network effect, the first mover decentralization, all of those other topics that we normally discuss on the show. And I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole as to why Bitcoin has its value feel free to research that in a book that I always plug if you're very interested in it. It is the Bitcoin Standard, and it's always in the show notes. I highly recommend that for anyone, even if you don't store in Bitcoin or anything, just to understand monetary value, currency, and all that stuff, what we're doing in Web3, and why this stuff really has value, always recommend that. But going back to this whole thing, it is not just about the code. As far as building and being able to replicate this stuff, copy and paste from the repository, and continue to innovate. That is why we're 
growing at an exponential speed because back in the day when you had an idea, everyone's operating in these little bubbles trying to do their own thing. And basically, you're trying to reinvent the wheel. You're building it from scratch and you're not necessarily collaborating unless you have some friends that you might have a coding network or whatever it might be, a hackathon and start to put things together and different coders look over it and review it. But generally speaking, remote corners of the world, people are doing their own thing and not really necessarily collaborating with each other unless they're directly hired by a central company such as Facebook or Google or one of those, and they're hiring engineers all over the place. But now in this place, we can have individual coders all over the world, literally looking at the successful projects in all of these different areas and innovating. And that is why the speed at which we move is literally like nothing we have ever seen before. And going forward, that is going to continue. So anyone that's saying that NFTs and Web3 and all this stuff has failed and is dead with all the bankruptcies and failures and people are leaving money, they don't truly understand what's going on here. Yes, people were gung-ho about it and they were putting value on things that did not have value to them. And that's where the money was being lost. But the actual innovation, the technology and everything that is going on, it is only getting better and more innovative things are coming out every single day. And we're proving more and more that this stuff actually does matter. It does work and it is shaping the future. So keeping things very positive, you know, I like to say that I find so much inspiration in this space and I can truly say that there has not been any other technology or any other time in my life. Granted, I'm not 80, 90 years old and looking back on decades and decades, but as one of these older millennials that have seen development from web one, two and into three, this is some very exciting times and there's nothing like this that I've ever seen before. So going forward in 18 months, I don't even know what this space is going to look like. I think it's going to be unreal recognizable. We're going to look back on all of this stuff and say, I can't believe that we were spending money on that. Or I can't believe we thought that this was the best application that we could use for blockchain technology or NFTs. Or I can't believe we were putting money into these tokens. That's how we'd be looking at it. So going forward, as we're quote unquote going to the moon, recession or not, I mean, it does not matter to me continuing to build, go forward. I am so excited and I hope you are too. And I'm going to end with that clip that I said when I'm looking for inspiration or anything, I just absolutely love playing this clip. So I'm just going to play it out right now. I'm going to leave the link to that video so that you can actually see the whole thing and everything. It's just absolutely amazing. But just listen to the message that of what's going on in this thing. And it really applies to everything that we're doing today. And honestly, if I didn't know historically that he was speaking about going to the physical moon, that I would honestly think that we're talking about going to the moon in Web3 on this thing. So listen to this. We meet in an hour of change and challenge, in a decade of hope and fear, in an age of both knowledge and ignorance. The greater our knowledge increases, the greater our ignorance unfolds. No man can fully grasp how far and how fast we have come. But condense, if you will, the 50,000 years of man's recorded history in a time span of about a half a century. Stated in these terms, we know very little about the first 40 years, except at the end of them, advanced man had learned to use the skins of animals to cover them. Then about 10 years ago, under this standard, man emerged from his caves to construct other kinds of shelter. Only five years ago, man learned to write and use a cart with wheels. Christianity began less than two years ago.
printing press came this year. And then, less than two months ago, during this whole 50-year span of human history, the steam engine provided a new source of power. Newton explored the meaning of gravity. Last month, electric lights and telephones and automobiles and airplanes became available. Only last week did we develop penicillin and television and nuclear power. This is a breathtaking pace. And such a pace cannot help but create new ills as it dispels old. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer to rest, to wait. If this capsule history of our progress teaches us anything, it is that man in his quest for knowledge and progress is determined and cannot be deterred. We shall send to the moon, 240,000 miles away, a giant rocket more than 300 feet tall on an untried mission to an unknown celestial body and then return it safely to Earth. But why, some say, the moon? Why choose this as our goal? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why, 35 years ago, fly the Atlantic? We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone. And therefore, as we set sail, we ask God's blessing on the most hazardous and dangerous greatest adventure on which man has ever embarked. Doesn't that just give you chills? Honestly, one of my favorite speeches, clips, videos of all time. And as he's speaking and speaking about those things, there's people that just don't want change, right? All the innovations, all the changes in the world, everything is getting better. But what? People want to hang on to their legacy technology, the old way of doing things, whether it be paper, some shifting to digital, or in this world of we're already digital, but now going to the blockchain, people are just dismissive of change. But definitely listen to that speech, understanding that, yes, this is not an easy path being one of the early people in the space, but knowing where we're actually going, the destination and the decade that is ahead, just absolutely amazing to be here with you guys as we're learning and building Web3 together. As usual, I want to thank you for taking time to listen to this. So until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.